Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. I'm just going to start singing. What's the, um, I want to rock, rock. I want to rock. Seems like as good a place as any to start. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Tall and Short of a Podcast. Coming to you live inside a baby cage on a stage, I'll say. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode. Um, looking forward to getting into quite a bit today. We've got some some quick hitters, as usual. Uh, F1 talk uh, leading up in the Australian Grand Prix this weekend. Um, a little bit of League of Legends playoffs and some other some other good topics. So a lot to get through. But Justin, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you too. I hear you've got some exciting news to share with the uh, with the class here. So if you don't mind, let me run through my rose thorn and seed here, and then we can give you the floor. Because I'm very excited to hear about it. Um, so I don't want to be thinking about my delivery here. So to run through really quick my seed here for, for the week. We've got another Formula One sleeper agent in our midst. He's been he's been here the whole time. We just didn't know. Um, Buddy John, uh, who's been a part of the Commander 9 gang for a little while now. Um pretty much started getting in, getting into F1 like right around the time that we did Pandem Drive to Survive that like 2018 2019 era that's right when he came into nice. so it's good to have him on board we had some fun conversations i look forward to uh uh having more of them uh my thorn here for the week thinking about some um we all have those thoughts that our brain presents and says, hey, do you remember this really embarrassing moment? Ah, intrusive um, thoughts. They're the worst. We love them. So <laughs> I've been working on some like forgiveness exercises where I'm imagining like myself at like that age when it would have happened and basically just like saying out loud, saying with intent, just like, hey, man, I forgive you. You didn't know any better. And just kind of like imagining the scenario resolving in some way. Most of the time, what that looks like in my mind is I'm picturing that younger self, like smiling, basically like being appreciative of that being said to them. And then they just like walk out where like in some way, like my younger self is trapped there, but the forgiveness allows them to like, all right, cool. Yeah, I can, I can leave this place now. So have significantly decluttered my brain of a bunch of these things. And I feel like lighter in some way, truly. Um, so that's been quite interesting. And then my rose here for the week, I just want to say rest in peace to Sasha and Cole. Sarah and I, we hung up their little like paw prints with mm. their collars and their favorite toy. We got a shadow box for each of them. And we made like a little like four piece, like little memorial, you know, kind of up on the wall nice. um, that we can, you know, still have them with us. But it's in like a much, much healthier way than just having these things like still just kind of in the apartment where they were kind of thing. Um, so it's nice to kind of put a nice bow on that and just like be grateful for their life um so with a little bit of a heavier heavier tones that's no. my rose thorn seed here for the week 
No, I think um, I think that's a really well. First, so I'll, I'll hit uh, a little on each, but one, the fact that John is in F one, I think that's awesome that you'll have another person to like bounce things off of chat with and everything. I think that that brings more interesting ideas um, that could be things that we we get to talk about and whatnot and and just more fun to have more people involved um Mm -hmm. my friend jess and her husband john uh just recently started watching drive to survive they binged like all five seasons and watched the first uh or watched the saudi arabian saudi arabian grand prix um so they're like diving in and my buddy jeff um also is into formula one he's a big mercedes fan so it's fun having some banter back and forth a little bit um yeah that's exciting so i'm glad that you have that too because it's cool like getting to to enjoy that more than just like me and colleen or you and sarah watching races and whatnot um but uh then with your thorn and i also think that's like a great exercise um to kind of go through mentally i know i've remembered you talking about things like that before like Mm -hmm. regrets that you've had with usually it's like a specific person that like pops up that you're like so it's kind of nice to be able to like just let some of those things go without coming into those circumstances with any of the like without having it to have be like triggered you can just kind of work your way through um mm-hmm. which is cool and also i love that you guys did that with cole and sasha's things um colleen has a picture of her dog Corey that was painted uh by um she had it like an artist do a picture of uh of Corey and everything and uh so we have that up here above my computer on a shelf and then she has some other things the uh you can't see it, but off screen there's a little like dog hoodie. It's like this okay. bright pink, and that was Corey's and Senna. We have her wear it sometimes when it's cold out. So, like, I Very think it's cool. nice to like have those some of those things around, but that mm-hmm. you were able to put them in a like I think the right place for now. So definitely, definitely. Um, um, but yeah, that's my rose thorn and seed. I appreciate, um, yeah, I appreciate the kind thoughts there, and but. I'm looking forward to hearing about your trip. I'm looking forward to hearing about the uh, the exciting news that we've got going on here. So the uh, the rose for me this week is that uh, Colleen and I got engaged. Uh, so while we were out in Denver, I uh, I proposed. I got down on my knee and all, but it was uh, the whole experience was like pretty fun and like surreal a little bit. Uh, so. I had planned to do it out there the first day we were out there. I was like looking for spots in Denver, found these botanical gardens that are there that have some like really nice scenery. I'm like, oh, perfect, great spot. I hired a freelance photographer, found someone to come out and like kind of hide in the bushes and, and snap some pictures and all. Um, so I was like on my A game. I thought I was being like pretty inconspicuous and all for most of it uh but then i overheard from colleen's sister-in-law who there's this whole web of colleen went to get her hair done her hairdresser they've known for a long time colleen's mom is friends with the hairdresser's mom so then colleen had said that she thought oh maybe it'll happen at this 
botanical garden or whatever. So it finds its way back to me and they're like, you can change it. You can like keep this. I'm like, I already hired the photographer. I did all this Mm -hmm. setup. I'm like, it is what it is. I'm just going to try and uh, not act weird or anything to like tip her off that that's the plan. So I went into it. I'm like, ah, she might know or might have suspicions, but like, we're just going to go for it. So we get to the, to the gardens and all go walking around. Um, the photographer texted me like where he was at, what he was wearing. I kind of said what we were wearing, what to look out for. And he was like, Oh, by the way, there's a school field trip in this greenhouse right now. So you should probably wait a little bit. So I'm like, Oh, let's wander around every garden outside dead. All of them just brown all the plant i'm like walking around like trying to be like oh yeah like i bet this place looks nice once it starts like blooming and all we're just wandering through like brown dead plants like nobody else is out there there was a few people like wandering around but there's like they were trying to get married too i'm like they were punching up as well go ahead sorry so i'm like seeing the signs in the ground for like what each plant is and there's just like no plant behind it (laughs) and i'm just like oh this is wonderful great wandering uh i get the text that the kids have left and so we go i was like oh let's go check out the inside that everything out here is like is not it so um make our way in and right then a bunch more kids come back in no and so i'm like meandering around trying to find a spot finally find a quiet spot the photographer had kind of tailed us like he was a a detective um and all and so uh I found a, a nice quiet spot and uh, did the thing. And so Colleen and I are going to be getting married. We're engaged. It's exciting. Um, but it was a, a little bit of a whirlwind. And uh, she told me she had initially suspected things, but then that day she had like no clue. So the surprise mm. went off without a hitch. The pictures yeah. turned out well. But, uh, but yeah, it was a, a very exciting and and kind of fun thing and also like relieving to just like not have to stress and be like oh is she gonna figure something out or overhear something or whatnot whoa so how do you okay so you effectively hired paparazzi like for a day and you told them where you were gonna be yeah like an hour and a half so Dude, that's crazy. And then my man is like spotting for you. And yeah. then like, well, and that he was is from, a wonky thing. He was from the area. So he had actually been like, to me, I was like, oh, this is where I was thinking is like, oh, I don't know what would be in bloom this time of year, but let me like figure some things out. Um, hmm. And also he scoped out the spot for me to see what was going on. Like, he he crushed it he was awesome he uh um, that's cool and like once he got the pictures like of the moment without her seeing him and everything and like so the just like genuine reactions and all we were able to then get some like just pictures together like sure. at, right after the moment that were uh that were really nice too so yeah. but yeah it was um well i had always been like i feel like everyone has picture or there's so many people with pictures of that like 
moment and all, whether it's like friends or family or someone like hanging out. And I'm like, we're going to Denver. I wanted it to just be the two of us. No offense Mm -hmm. to any friends and family. I just was like, that's, it's about us. So like, we'll share that with them later. But like, sure. This this moment. Picture is a great way to do that, dude. Genius idea. Get fucking hide on bush to come in yeah snap photos and he Yo. crushed it he was awesome uh so dude i love this guy that's so cool yeah. that's a great wow okay oh, i I've, love that i already like we told her friends who were out we were out visiting who recently got engaged we're like oh if you want to do like an engagement shoot like this guy's great he crushed it like so we're yeah. i mean even though we're not from the area we're like this guy's awesome and so um so yeah it was uh it was a big exciting day got to share that um and then go and share with friends and family and call people and text people and all um gotcha and then the crushing weight of your decision crept in after all that okay well well, that's that's my seed a little bit not not that (laughs) not that horrible uh but planting a seed of fear and doubt yes let's culture this but just looking at uh like kind of now our seed is like we're starting to figure things out start getting ideas about like what we want and all but the funniest thing is that like we've had a bunch of people ask us if we have a date yet for the wedding. And it's like, wait, sure. it hasn't even been a week. Like what do people uh, like? It blows my mind that people are like, Oh yes, they got engaged. So the first thing they did was call their standby wedding planner who already had vetted 15 different, like, it's like, what are these people doing that? Everyone's like, Oh yeah, it's been, it's been, we're getting asked if we have a date, like the next day. And we're like, we're on vacation right now. <laughs> like we're going to sure. breweries and having beers and all. We're just enjoying enjoying life. So it was uh, that was like one of those funny things. But the the seed is that uh, we're starting to get uh, to like think through some of those things and and look into that planning. So there's a lot of it. I'm sure I probably don't know the half of it. Anyone who has been engaged and gotten married and all i'm sure you guys have a lot more information than me but uh at the moment it's an exciting thought well just this is an opportunity we don't often get these as an opportunity but if all things go well you may be able to get a headstone as a gift for them one year you can do like caskets together that kind of thing i mean if it goes really well you get to make some exciting purchases together it's true yeah first uh first piece of land could be my uh my cemetery plot you know all those all those good things and honestly i hear like you want to get those early because like eh, money runs out and (laughs) you got to get put in the ground dude ah you don't you could just get spread through the air some listeners may think that this is morbid but actually this is like the most hopeful one could be is like oh yeah it's it's just me and her for the next 90 that's it so it's uh yeah and that that thought's very exciting is just i like i mean that's why why i did the thing and proposed i was like that 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 is the hope in life so 
But uh, to to kind of wrap out our vacation and and the exciting weekend, we my thorn was a pretty rough uh, time coming home. So we we go we um, our airplane is supposed to leave Denver at. 10 p.m. Denver time and get in at like 4 a.m. in Philly. Um, so late night flight. We get a message a little earlier in in the day on Sunday. Oh, flight's delayed two hours. We're like, damn. So now we're gonna have to stay up late, get there at like 6 a.m. Hopefully we can get some sleep on the plane. Is what it is, but not the worst thing. So we. We head to the airport, um, we're getting situated and all, um, going through security, do all that stuff, get out of security, we're like, okay, let's go find a bite to eat, find a place to get a drink, we go to this place to grab a drink, and I he asked for my ID, I go to pull out my ID, and it is not in my pocket anymore. So I lost it somewhere, I think probably in the bin at security. Um, but is what it is. I was like, okay, I'm already through security. I have my boarding pass. I don't need my license for anything at this point. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. So worst case, I just going, if I don't find it going through my luggage and all, I'll just go ahead and get a new one when I get back to Philly. Like, sucks, but no big deal. We are waiting, waiting, and we get told, oh, there's another delay with your flight. Push back another little bit. And then, so flight's supposed to leave at 1230. Flight comes in. We board the plane. It starts snowing. They go, we have to de-ice the plane, um, and also we have to be wheels up by 1.23 a.m. Otherwise, our flight crew is illegal because of federal regulations on how much time they can work and all. And so the plane got finished de-icing at 1.24. (laughs) And so they rescheduled our flight for 7 a.m., So we slept in the airport because I couldn't leave the airport because I didn't have my ID to get back in. So I slept on a concrete floor for about two and a half hours, probably total. Um, Then flew on home. It was it was quite a interesting time. That so, sounds like a bonding experience, though. You guys were together, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We were both oh, like, uh, we, it definitely was. At the end of it, we're like, if we could get through that, like, we're, we're probably good for a lot of things. So, Yikes, man. Yeah. That's and crazy. The only thing I was frustrated about, I was just so pissed at myself for losing my ID. I was of like, yeah. I was like, what is, what is wrong with me? Like, how did I do that? How did I was... I must have just had it. I know I had it in the same pocket with my phone, and so I I either lost it then or I just left it in the goddamn bin, like going mm-hmm. through security. Went through security, driver's license just sitting in the bin. Damn. I but even hey, tried. Man, I tried to go back to security, but then I got mm-hmm. to a point where it was like, if you go outside of this, then you 
cannot like right come back in without a valid id and i was like yeah i'm not doing that because i was like like i'm not getting stuck in denver so that'd be brutal oh my god that would be brutal yeah it would uh be a tough time holy shit man that's crazy wow yeah. damn yeah it was it was a it was still an awesome weekend everything worked out with our flight we still got back and and all it was just a little delayed so in the grand scheme like minor very frustrating in the moment grand mm-hmm. scheme of things not uh not anything to damper a, a pretty great weekend so oh, well um i'm happy to hear it because yeah that's uh that's a big sign of growth where a lot of things go wrong but the only thing that you pull out of it is you're like the one thing that was in your control you were like ah that's the thing that's frustrating not yeah. all the things that were outside of your control and that's that's positive right there yeah so it's uh it's it was definitely a bonding experience, but uh, we can. I know that was quite a bit. I know it was exciting for for me to talk about, though. So I'm glad I could could share. Uh, oh, that's crazy, man! That's like a massive life change. Yeah, that's awesome. Very, uh, very exciting. I've I was uh, by the end of that first day, my my cheeks hurt because I just like couldn't stop smile. I was just like permanent smile on. Um, sure. So, but enough about the the good things in life let's talk about some quick hitters and some disappointing finishes from our f1 studs in the nascar field uh we had the nascar race at the circuit of the americas this past week um pretty cool to i don't know if you caught much of it did you now so it was uh it was pretty fun watching a bit of that um I watched a bit on Sunday while we were just hanging out, waiting for uh, to like go to the airport and all. But on the tracks with NASCAR, it was just so drastically different because they don't race street circuits, but like compared to Formula One, it was nuts. Um, they you all of the runoff areas are just considered part of the track. Like it does not matter. It's just like fastest way from point a to point b as long as you're not like cutting a corner extremely right you're like good um that first sharp hairpin turn right off of uh turn one everyone's like bumping into each other as they're going around they're all they hit each other so much it's absurd Mm -hmm. um they're way slower like a ton slower i think oh i'm sure they're like boats it was like the cars were topping out at like on the the long straights probably like 120 and that the other thing that bothered me was it they never showed the speeds there was no good dash cam no good Mm. like and and anytime they were in the cockpit, like with the camera and everything, there's no graphics on the screen. You're just seeing the guy, and there's there's a single graphic that says what their miles per hour are. But they would never do it when they're flat out on the straight. So I have no idea gotcha. what their top speeds were. But it was not okay. not that fast. Okay. Um, the other they they shift on a stick shift on the dash. Mm-hmm. gotcha craziest thing that they don't use paddle shifters like my uncle's 
Mini Cooper five years ago had a sport mode with paddle shifters. Like, NASCAR, get on it. You can't be doing this thing with a full big wheel for a racing wheel and a shifter on the dash. That is nuts. Uh, And then they were also calling the curbs rumble strips. Nice. Uh, And a term that I really want to use now that they used when there was, so there, uh, the race was smooth for quite a while, just a couple of cautions. And then at the end, it was just like caution after that, which is their safety car, like safety car after safety car, like every restart was causing another safety car. It was, it was rough, but when there was a lot of debris from the cars that had crashed into each other and everything on the track, they called Mm -hmm. it a yard sale. And I think that is the best term. I love that. Um, I've heard that used in hockey in the NHL when like everyone throws the gloves and the helmets and starts duking it out. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was a, a hilarious term to use. So I, uh, I think I might look to use that in a in F one if we're if we have a good moment or a bad there, moment that that is a good opportunity to use that. So I was just about to say it will likely come after uh, cars have had some contact and we've yeah. got some uh, we've got some carbon fiber uh, flinging all over the yeah. track. Some some Nick DeVries out there. Um, yeah, there you go. So nice, <laughs> nice, dude. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was just interesting watching that race and everything. Um, watching Jensen button and Kimi Raikkonen was pretty cool as well. Um, it was very entertaining seeing all the different, uh, things that were like kind of being talked about, uh, like Kimi, they, the announcers who were, um, like going through the lineup of cars and everyone on the grid, came to Kimmy and he was wearing in his bio profile picture or whatever. He's wearing his sunglasses that he's like always wearing in any interview and everything. And they're like, is, is he the only one allowed to wear sunglasses in the bio? Like they were like, what is going on? Is that, they were like, is that just a Kimmy thing? Um, on the like grid walk before the race and everything. Um, one of the like personalities came up to Kimmy. It was, Oh, Kimmy, like, let me hear what you're thinking about. Like before going into the race this weekend or whatever. And Kimmy's just basically like, Oh yeah, I'm just here to, I want to, I want to put in a good drive and, uh, and have a good day and just like stops. And they're like, yep. All right, thanks. And just like on to the yep. next one. He was not the one to get the hot take from my guy. You should have waited. Just one more driver would have been fine. Oh yeah, it was. It cracked me up. Uh, but then um, the one of the things that I saw brought up talking about it was I I hadn't even thought about this, but Kimmy was Ferrari's last world champion, um, which is like was just like a weird thought. Like, I don't think I had realized that he was the last driver to win a world championship with Ferrari. Um, but it, it like got brought up and I was like, Oh, that's, that's just kind of weird. When was that? I think it was Oh eight. Oh seven. 
Um, oh, that's right. Because Seb, Seb didn't win a championship with Ferrari. He nah. only won the four with Red Bull. Yep. Whoa. Yeah, Kimmy. Because you would have thought Seb, if they had a winning car, Seb would have done it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and Kimmy won the 2007 uh, World Championship. Whoa, so it's been, what's that, 16 years since yeah. Ferrari's won? Yep. So it's been, a, it's been a long stretch. Damn, dude. That's actually crazy thinking about that. It's it's pretty nuts. I like it Especially was such a that we talk about them. Yeah, it was such a like Gosh. aha moment like <laughs> uh that I just was like I was like, "Oh man, that's just like a weird a weird thing." But well, yeah. Um but then just talking about his race, he had a pretty solid race at a, like for a while. He was hanging in that middle i think there were 39 cars originally he was in that like right around 20 for a bit he got up to p4 at one point with uh the different cautions that came out uh but then at the end with the restarts i think he ended up getting into um a bit of contact and all and dropped back to to finish uh p29 which seemed like not that weird watching so many restarts and just seeing guys get either like taken out and dropping down or just like getting swallowed up by all these cars um Mm -hmm. was not uncommon so uh fun to watch jensen button on the other hand finished p18 so pretty respectable finish uh top half of the grid um, he said that it, he was saying, uh, in an interview, he was like, I didn't really like how much the cars were hitting each other. He's like, we're professional racing drivers. I feel like we should be better than, than like constantly hitting each other. But he said it was like, he enjoyed the race as a whole, but that all the contact seemed kind of like silly, um, hmm. that they were hitting each other that much. Um, sure. So he was he was kind of thrown off. He said it took him a bit to um, to like kind of figure out the racecraft of it. That oh mm-hmm. like yeah, someone may like hit you going into a corner, so you give him a little tap on the way out. Like kind of keep your line as much as he can and and bump them out of the way a little bit back. Um, he said he was impressed by a lot of the drivers' willingness to just like dive bomb you and like go for overtakes. That it's like. Mm-hmm pretty impressive i guess that's uh you don't have as much fear that the car is gonna uh just break if you uh if you do that so it was just overall i think for him and like watching it for me i've never watched much rat uh nascar in general but let alone on a like street circuit type track it was uh it was pretty interesting i i would say overall well I guess I did not understand. I thought it was just like at that complex, but still the oval. That's actually very interesting that they were like hitting the turns. Yeah, um, it was it was okay. weird to watch. It was hard to gotcha. like piece together in my brain. Like you have to just look up highlights and see everyone going yeah. around turn one. It's like they're like six, seven cars wide. It's oh, crazy. Dude, that's crazy. 
Whoa. All right. Yeah, I think I I think I misunderstood when you were originally selling the event to me. Um, cause yeah, that does actually, well, sound they don't, they like, don't do very many street circuits. The guy who won, right. I think he, three of his wins are on street tracks, but gotcha. like, and he has, I think four wins total or something. So okay. he's like, he's a bit of a, like, that's his, but it, that's yeah, but there's not, it's a uh, primarily just circuit of the Americas. I think that's the main one that they do. Um, oh, okay. So that's pretty, that's, so it's like kind of a one-off pretty exciting thing. I, yeah. I kind of thought you were just referencing another. NASCAR oh no. Race. Yeah, no, it was, uh, so I, I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be, but I was like, I'll check it out because of Kimmy and Jensen being in it. Yeah. Um, nice. and I had the downtime waiting for, for our flight. So I was like, Oh, perfect. Um, and then realized kind of similarly, I, I don't think I knew what to expect going in. But I don't sure, okay. I don't know if I entirely expected them to drive like the same circuit as the F1 teams do. So, yeah. And like GT3 and all that. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And so. pretty excited. You'll have to go uh, check out those highlights. But yeah, continue. Yeah. So uh, but those were kind of the, the non F1 things. But leading into this weekend, just some general F1 news that I saw. Um, but the porpoising rule from last year was removed from the rule book because of the new 2023 regulations, whatever changes they made have actually like eliminated essentially what was causing the porpoising. Um, so they were like, we don't need this rule anymore. So about like measuring the gravitational force of the oscillations or whatever, they're like, we we're good. No one's having this issue anymore. Um, so that was like weird. I, I was surprised to just see that they were like, oh yeah, that rule doesn't matter anymore. Bye. Um, I feel like most things just keep obscure rules for like way too long. Um, so it was kind of well, nice if to it's, see. If it's redundant, I mean, yeah, throw it out. No, I, mean, that, I, I like... agree with it. It just, I feel like most, um, you don't see that too often. Sure. No, that sounds like a warm that feels like a warm blanket for my brain is hearing somebody like, Oh yeah, this is clutter. Get this out of here. I'm like, Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> feels yeah. So good. I agree. I'm like, Oh, they made it just because of this thing and it doesn't affect it anymore. Cool. Um, but one, uh, new change that they also made this week going into the, the Australian grand prix is the grid boxes are going to be 20 centimeters wider. So about, I think that's about a, a foot wider or so um, to accommodate for um, Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon not being able to to line up right on those lines. So no, I think that's it, actually hilarious. It is because it's like if it's in the rules that if you're outside of this and people are like being penalized for barely being outside it, I think that they're like just making a smidge wider. I'm fine with sure. it. So if it, if it eliminates, like it's like causing damage to a driver that like didn't gain anything from there, like speeding in the pit lane. Okay. You're reducing the amount of time that you're taking for a pit stop. So Mm -hmm. like you get penalized for that, but it's like, with something like that, it's like they are getting no benefit out of being just like a smidge to the left or the right, 
in their Correct. grid box. Mm-hmm. It's not gaining them anything, so why are they getting a five-second penalty? It just is, like, bad for the sport. So seeing them just, like, make that a little easier to be like, hey, we're, we're trying to avoid needing this, um, I think is a, a good thing. And I can see the argument, like, I can see the argument against widening the boxes. I'm not saying I ascribe to it, but just that like, okay, so if the sport is about precision and it's, you know, about tenths and thousandths of a second, why is it, why is it so wild to think that the drivers should be able to like put themselves on the proper marks or as a team get their vehicle onto the proper marks? While it does sound like a silly and simple thing, um, I think it does kind of fall in line with other kind of rigors that they have the teams go through. However, I agree with what you're saying where it's Mm -hmm. like kind of bad for the sport. If you just get like all these drivers getting these like dumb, silly penalties where it's like, wait, just like paint the line bigger or something. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I, I mostly agree with you. I, I and I get what you mean too, like for for people who might disagree with it being like especially about the precision and all, but at the same time, like um the cars aren't they don't have the ability to like really throw it in reverse and recenter yourself or anything. So it's like You only have it's, one kind of It's like yeah, once you if you just miss that just by a smidge like just from the get-go, it's like is that really like you you aren't like further ahead if you're like for past the box ahead of it or something, mm-hmm. like okay, but if you're like a, a few inches to the side, um Yeah, lateral doesn't seem like it should matter. Yeah. But yeah, Overall, I think that's dope. It should just like remove that frustration from the teams and the drivers and bring a little, as Riot loves to say, bring a little clarity to the broadcast. Yeah, those are those are some uh, some clarity updates on this last clarity update. Yeah, clarity (laughs) updates for this patch. That's all. So, uh, but yeah, that was. uh, I just thought some interesting things with the rules uh, that I saw this past week. Going into the weekend though, and looking at Mm -hmm. some of the teams. Um, just a little bit, or, or I guess not fully going into the weekend, but looking at some of the changes and things within teams, Ferrari, uh, looks like they are targeting Imola to be where they bring a, a pretty new car. So probably a lot of big changes and, uh, updates to the car at that point, including, uh, a new floor, new suspension, new side pods. So, possibly going away from those real big like rounded uh like half like moon looking ice cream spoon yeah the ice cream scooper uh side pods there's probably going to be a lot of changes to the car at that point it sounds like they've made um a lot of technical shifts uh so yeah targeting that for imola um but with that uh over to the McLaren garage, James Key, the technical director, stepped down, which then opened uh, up what McLaren decided to do is bring in three people to fill to create a technical team instead of having a technical director. So they have an aero director, a engineering director, 
and then a concept director, which is David Sanchez, who just recently left Ferrari, who we had uh, mentioned, I think, two weeks ago or so. Um, gotcha. So lots of shakeups. McLaren also apparently has signed about 15 new people to their aero department um, sure. looking at figuring out um, maybe a, a better direction and all for their design and uh, improvements on the car. So a mm-hmm. lot of big changes uh, in the McLaren garage. Yeah, because it's crazy like – thinking about australia 2022 and comparison for like what could be on the forecast what could be on the forecast for mclaren in 2023 here at albert park i mean lando and daniel hit a 5-6 last year um in australia and like mclaren is far away um from i think achieving that like a, a similar result Um, so yeah, it seems like some staff changes and maybe some like restructuring of how they, um, how they've organized their personnel, um, is going to be helpful towards, you know, working out solutions and and making improvements because it, I, I think as a secondary McLaren fan, um, it like really hurts to watch them in this position. Yeah, I would, um, I would definitely agree with you. It's uh, when you look like last year was, I think what most of us thought like the, the bottom was for them. We were like, we're like, oh man, they were 2021. They were on the verge of something good, really going in the right direction. Daniel gets their first win in the Zach Brown era. They go one, two in that race. They're like, we're like, oh yeah, they're just an inch away from throwing their hat into the ring up at the top. And then last year we're like, oh, okay, they they took a step back. Ah, that's a bummer. They they really we thought they were going to challenge, but like maybe they'll be able to bounce back and all. And then this year we're like, yo, like right. <laughs> what is going on? Um, so yeah, I I think it's definitely concerning and especially enough to to really just try and kind of reshape things in the organization sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like just time to to make a change and hopefully get some new insight and go in a a better direction so i i hope that comes out of all this uh shifting around over there yeah big time um because with the small data set that we have from oscar piastri it sounds like he was a great sign for mclaren it seems like he has had a couple of pretty good weekends here so far um just pretty good is relative obviously um but yeah and that is encouraging just as like just a fan you want to see these people do well generically um yeah it's uh it's a it's a tough spot to see these uh potentially very talented drivers not having you know a good a good vehicle under them with which to compete yeah and i'll uh i'll I'll talk about him a little more looking uh into the race weekend but i i definitely agree um i think 
his pedigree as a racer is definitely shown in his success um, over the years in uh, F3, F2, and all moving on his way up. Um, so it it's definitely frustrating to see that he's kind of making the best of a bad situation at the moment, mm-hmm. um, which definitely shows some some good quality in his himself as a driver. Um, but it's just such a struggle there right now. It's like that is a very tiny little uh, pot of gold at the end of a hellish rainbow. So it's uh yeah. It's not all not not all peachy keen, but hopefully this can help them because I think I would love to see him drive in a competitive car just like Lando. I think mm-hmm. the, the two of them are very exciting drivers uh, to think about being in like good cars. Definitely, yeah, um, I I agree. And for like from their perspective, it's probably kind of disheartening to just see this as like a development year you're basically just like data gathering the whole time you know because like Mm. they're yeah they're not likely not going to be competing for points anytime soon it doesn't seem like or like any like real points you know what i mean yeah um so yeah from the driver's perspective looking at it like a development year something similar has got to be tough but yeah looking ahead i guess you would say yeah and and just hoping kind of hoping for the best like i i'd much rather and i think we all would much rather see teams like doing a real all like the whole grid doing a good job and but just some teams doing better than others like no one wants to see these teams having all these technical failures and reliability issues and things like that like if you lose because your car's pace is just a little bit slower okay or like you get more tired dag okay but if it's just straight up like your team doesn't have their shit together that's like not what you want to see so, mm-hmm. um, but to, to move along to a couple other teams sure. that had some, some news, Valtteri, um, uh, I think, so I saw an article, um, that was saying that basically, uh, I forget it was someone in the McLaren organization or who was, was saying that, uh, they hope that someone on the grid kind of takes up the reins, uh, from, what Seb was doing to be up there with Lewis Hamilton supporting uh, a lot of like good causes and uh, whether it's environmental or or different, like just um, positive, positive causes out there in the world. Um, And so one thing that, yeah, saving the bees, the, the coral reefs, all sorts of stuff that Seb was, uh, Seb was talking about, but I thought it was cool. I saw Valtteri is, uh, he had his helmet for this weekend designed by an Aboriginal artist from Australia. Uh, and then that's going to be auctioned off, uh, and the benefits will go to support some of the local indigenous communities. So seeing that article and then seeing what Valtteri was doing, I thought that was pretty cool. And I feel like I could easily see, uh, Valtteri not, not like, becoming the next sub i don't want to say it that way but like i feel like he could easily be someone that i could imagine filling a little bit of that gap um and all just out on the grid he's uh seems like a a pretty solid person all around so 
I would imagine that being um, kind of right up his alley. Yeah, and that doesn't seem like it doesn't seem far off. Like, what am I trying to say here? Ultimately, it seems like a driver's main goal would be just to be the best driver that he can, but it's not far off to have your helmet art done by somebody local to the country like that is a pretty small way to make a pretty large impact and yeah yeah, it does seem like valtteri has you know that kind of spirit obviously like he's the one taking that action i guess what i'm what i'm thinking of is it doesn't seem that difficult not saying that they should not saying that they have any reason or expectation to but it small choices like that from various points on the grid over the long term is gonna create just a better place for all of us to be so to have more individuals thinking of how can i help how can i make an immediate impact here um, I just think that's really strong no matter who it comes from. And it shouldn't oh, yeah. just be one person's responsibility on the grid to be like, I'm the philanthrop- philanthropist. And then yeah. the other guy's like, I'm the daredevil. Like, it's more of like a character then um, in a way. In a way, you just want people to be doing it from their heart. And it doesn't. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree. I think that, um, and, and not that like I, me highlighting Valtteri doesn't, I'm not saying that no one else on the grid's ever done anything positive or anything like that. I know McLaren has had a number of, um, charities that they've supported with different things. I know Lando had his helmet. Yeah. So it's not a, a not, but it was just, um, it was, it was cool seeing the article about like, Seb leaving and kind of that philanthropic like spirit kind of wondering if that's going to be taken up by anyone and seeing Valtteri do that. I thought it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was cool. So it was easy to, to relate them together. But um, sure. another Valtteri note was uh, he was interviewed this past week and he was talking about Checo um, said he feels like Checo is in a very similar situation to where he was at Mercedes, uh, just having someone next to you who, well, and so the way he put it was having someone next to you who is very difficult to beat, who they're super consistent. They are very talented. They're like very driven kind of people. So that it, when someone is as talented as well as being as consistent as Max and Lewis are, um, it makes it super tough to to just beat them for oh, yeah. the length of an entire season, which I thought was like a pretty, like, you, you got to think about it because it's like you think, oh, these guys, they're so talented. Like Valtteri, I know, like I, I definitely came around on him as a driver over time. Um, but seeing him get beat by Lewis so frequently, I was like, what the hell? But then he would have these amazing races where he holds Lewis off the entire time, beats him out, like has Lewis on his tail. Nothing went wrong with Lewis. He just straight up beat him. And he would have those 
moments and you're like, oh, wow. Like, but Lewis's consistency and similar to Max, um, uh, I guess, kind of puts them in a similar position in that sense. Um, yeah, but, yeah. From that perspective, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And so I, looking at Checo and the Red Bull team, I wanted to pose a question that I saw from Planet F1. Uh, they put out an article, but the the title was was Checo is he more similar to Rosberg or Botas? I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Ooh, I mean, I, Valtteri is just the easy answer. Like he he doesn't seem anything like Rosberg. It feels. Hmm. I don't I don't know why people still give a shit about that guy. I don't I don't know why they like for Sergio to be like Nico, Sergio would have to, you know, overcome Max. A, he would have to win a championship over Max first. Well, I think they're saying like the trajectories maybe, like do do you think he has that Nico see, like ability to to go out and beat Max in a year and then like not not that he just like goes and (laughs) dips out but like well and when i hear that when when you want when you want a comparison it's like no i think sergio would win the championship and then stay to do it again because right he has the spirit of a true competitor he's not here for the bag fair i mean i i know you you, i'm sorry dude you're not a big fan of uh nico at all (laughs) and it's it's not it's not the guy. It's the it's the spirit of the action that right. I don't agree with. I don't know him. I don't know him. I can't speak to the guy personally. Yeah. But that action just knowing what I know about competitors, I can't jive with that decision. What about None of my favorite athletes None of my favorite people would ever make a decision like that. What about a, um, what about like, say, uh, Tom Brady type figure in any sport? Or like, they, what if Tom Brady had just retired at the, after he got his seventh championship? Like, do you think that, Okay. He's done it seven times. Okay. Already. I, I was just I was just making sure that I was like on the r- same page as you in terms of he he like did it once and was like, oh yep I went like tag you're it I quit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big same vibe. Big same vibe. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that yeah because then you're like well wait what. And that's kind of how people talk about it, almost as though he's the only one that's ever beat a teammate. Yeah, it's I. <laughs> no, I definitely get what you mean in that sense, and I just thought, no, I I agree with you a bit on that too. I like, I think, yeah, I guess what I was thinking like about it initially, I was like, I think about it similarly to a guy like. Dominic Hasek, longtime hockey goalie, phenomenal goalie, one of the best, uh, best ever in my opinion. Um, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, like all these people who 
they had opportunities after long careers to like leave at a high point or a pretty mm-hmm. high point at least and then just chose to stick around like mm-hmm. a little too long and kind of tarnish themselves it's definitely a bit different than like if lewis had just like retired after his seventh world championship um would be like yeah so okay but i i definitely am on the uh, same page but I agree, until Checo actually wins, um, he is kind of that Botas position. And unfortunately, right. I think, like, looking at it, I think Checo is a little too... He just, like, does what he's told a little too much. Yeah. I, and I mean, I love Max. I'm a, I'm a big Max fan. I know, but like, I would love to see Checo just be like to do what Signs did in his yes. win and say the team's telling me to do this, but that is not the best thing for my race. Right. Like, and I'm hoping that with Red Bull maybe gaining a bigger lead in the constructors that maybe that opens the door a bit more for them to be like, let's let him duke it out because like no one's going to catch us in the constructors. Mm -hmm. Like we get, we got that locked up. So maybe we'll get to see a bit more of that. But I I think Checo's Checo's been taglined as basically the, the, the great wingman. And it's like, I don't know if I would want that to be my kind of nickname going around as one of these guys who is trying to be the best. Yeah, just like like your career, all it was hey, was Robin. helping Max win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, fair. So, yes, I definitely agree you were a lot nicer than me and Sarah were when we were talking about it. Like based on his radio messages, he's just naive. He is like the way he's prompting his team. He's like, yeah, but I thought we were like not pushing or whatever it is. And it's like, no, uh, uh, wait. Well, we talked about it. Like I don't fault Max at all for going for that fastest lap point. There was no risk that he was going to get into any incident. There was nothing that was like, like that is him as like at the base of his soul being like, I'm out here. Second place is not good enough. I'm getting every point I can, can get like, just, just getting after it. Like I, that i i respect big time and so yeah i i agree with you on that that aspect but um where he's like not ready to make the driver's championship decision he's always gonna make the constructor's championship decision yeah and i don't know if that is like a I've had a long career and now I'm in a good team and I don't want to rock the boat or like where it comes from. Cause like he's been a driver who has just been perpetually in the midfield. Like he is not, he is not shifted around and this is his first opportunity on a front running team. And to be like, like, but that's also, 
I don't know. Like, a guy who goes for it, a, dri- a driver, like, who is just that determined to just win, that winning is everything, like, I can just respect that a bit more. Even Like, I know being a good teammate is still important in F1, but, like, well, you can still, like try and beat that uh, the guy on the other side of the garage without it getting like dirty or anything i agree however i don't think you're very far away the other direction on the spectrum if you ask like okay well what is a win to sergio right maybe for him maybe for his spirit he doesn't need that Maybe maybe he like Maybe his like race strategy, his race craft is so far on the like measured conservative side that he's like, no, that's a that's a a risk I'm not willing to take. Yeah. And he's just like weighing that all of the time. And yes, from a uh outside looking in like a uh, spectator perspective. Yeah, less interesting, fair, but if you if you just dig a little deeper, you say, well, no, that actually is an interesting strategy over the long term. Oh yeah, where to go for you have a yeah. like we always talk about like um like differences in teams like in League of Legends, where like oh you have like the early game like the early game aggressive team versus just mm. like the late game team fighting monsters and just seeing how those two like inherently different play styles go against each other. I actually think in those moments of a race, we're seeing two different play styles duke it out where Checo is selecting for the conservative safe marginally like a better decision where max is like going for the riskier more aggressive type strategy that's just really good at like not fucking up (laughs) right right that that's that's a good i'm reading the scenario that's a pretty good comparison i i like that perspective a bit more than me kind of feeling like Checo's being a little bit of a bitch, like yeah, like not not a bitch, but just like a. He I sort of to, is okay. just like a little bit tougher, just a little more grit, fair. like fair, just that that get after it kind of like. I I think we see that in like all these guys who, or most of the guys at least who have won world championships, like Fernando Alonso still going after it at what, 41, 42 years old now? Mm-hmm. Um, Lewis Hamilton, seven world championships, uh, billion dollars, part owner of an NFL organization, and he's like, no, I want to get eight. Max, who's just like, I'm just crushing it. Let's just keep killing it. And I'm going to like not let anyone get in my way while I'm here. Um, like those are the, the, it's like very exciting to see. Um, I don't think it's common probably to have this many of those kind of people in the same era in F1. Um, I don't know. I'd probably, you'd probably have to look back, but it's, um, like, yeah, Checo doesn't have that same, like, aggression, I guess, in his personality. And, like, whether that's 
just a measured, consistent drive or kind of taking a backseat a little bit. Either way, I don't know if he will end up being successful against Max by taking that approach. He and definitely I definitely doesn't win the drivers construct he he doesn't win the drivers championship over Max, no. Yeah, I just think and that's not if if Checo did what he's doing against other drivers, he might win the drivers championship. Probably mm-hmm. probably seventeen other drivers on the grid if he does what he's doing and they're his teammate in that machinery, then Checo wins against Max, against Lewis, against maybe Fernando, probably not. Um, so it's it's definitely, yeah. I I think it uh, it might be uh, just wrong wrong time for him. But what if what if we just haven't seen the scenario where he believes he has to sprinkle a little magic on? We, we may not have. And I mean, you know, like, like the, I'm not raced to. Oh yeah. No. And, I, but I mean, we've seen Checo, right. We saw all last season, how he kind of just fell further and further and further behind Max in the championship. There was, and I mean, like later on, he definitely, helped Matt or and in 2021 like by the time Checo was like really wingmanning Max and everything especially in 2021 Mm -hmm. um Max was already way ahead of him in the championship so like okay I mean we could so we've seen a decent bit but I'm not saying that Checo's like done and dusted or anything I just um I'm just not I don't necessarily believe that he has what it would take to beat Max. And that could be that they just drive different styles um, Mm -hmm. and it just suits Max better. But, um, but yeah, it was just interesting. uh, I thought to, to discuss, but one final, just quick thing that we can uh, briefly mention, because we'll have to wait and see, but there's been talk with the Mercedes team, to, to kind of wrap out these pre-race topics. Um, but Lewis Hamilton, there's conversation about him not necessarily being re-signed with Mercedes for another season, um, just partially due to the contract cost. He's making nearly 60 million euros, I think, is the current number. Um, what? So looking at that, along with the condition of the team and all, uh, there's been conversation of, hey, do we want to keep paying this amount of money um, for Lewis and all if the car is not even going to be in a position to really get the most out of the $60 million. Like, if, if they're not going to win mm-hmm. in any sense and they're still just throwing $60 million at, Lewis every year it is a little bit of a waste of money in that sense um sure but that kind of just would be like uh, a question then of where where could Lewis go um Christian Horner has already ruled out Red Bull as being a, a 
potential option for that. He was of course. was uh, very immediately vocal about the fact that uh, he. I, I mean, I'm sure he was asked by the media pretty quickly, like, "Oh, there's this right. conversation." What like? And he was like, "Nah, that's not gonna happen." So, mm-hmm. um, makes a lot of sense. But uh, I agree. But yeah, so I don't know what the uh, what the result of that would be because I have trouble imagining Lewis not driving for Mercedes. Um, I can't imagine him at Ferrari um, for one, and I also don't know if he went to Ferrari. Who like does where does Carlos Sainz end up? Like I would assume they would keep Leclerc. I it, it's it would be so bizarre and just that would be like the Seb leaving of next season would be Lewis not being re-signed with Mercedes. A crazy open seat that could probably topple a ton of driver changes because I also imagine Lewis not being willing to drive a midfield car. And just if he's not with Mercedes, I could see him just dipping. That's crazy. It's a weird thought. Like I had not, I just kind of was like, Oh, Lewis is with Mercedes just indefinitely. I never thought of the the possibility of them just not re-signing him and just being like, yep, he's available. And him potentially staying on the grid. It's a weird, weird thought. Yeah, especially especially when you think of like how you feel around or how you how one felt around the times of you know, roster talks and this and that. It was mm. always the like, oh, and Toto and Lewis, like they haven't they haven't secured their contract yet. And my sense was always like yeah, yeah, who cares though? Like he'll Yeah, like he'll he's not it'll going ha- Exactly, but here is here is the scenario where like, oh well maybe maybe no, that actually is a real thing and maybe those conversations were not as fictitious as we may have thought. There actually were like contentious numbers and and uh, uh terms going back and forth. Yeah, um, where you know my my tiny bird brain was just like, oh, that's well. I think his propaganda. His contract has ballooned over the past like couple of years. Each time, like he's resigned, it's just gone like twenty million up. So I mean, Crazy. I I get where where they're coming from, but I think this means Lewis Hamilton will be driving for Andretti Racing over in IndyCar very soon. <laughs> Whoa. And just and do you think just dominating the grid? See, I would love to see. I would love to know. That would be that would be a very interesting uh Crazy. thing to say. But what you can say is no matter where Lewis goes, no matter where Lewis Hamilton goes, he's going to be bringing a good amount of eyes with him and there's probably fans that just like, "All right, I'm done." Oh. There's definitely going to be people when he retires, um, when Matt, like there, there's always going to be the, it's just not the same without him. People. So, but fuck them. If they don't love it for the sport, 
No, I I don't want to say that because I would immediately be a hypocrite. I would be a hypocrite as the words were flowing out of my mouth because I had the sense of, I swear to God, when Faker lost. Okay. Well, when Faker didn't make it to Worlds the year after, I was like, okay, I'm I'm probably done then. Like, this is over, right? If, yeah. if Faker if Faker's not at Worlds, I'm what not a human. Worlds, like yeah, right. Like like, what does it even mean to be here? Kind of thing. Um. So I I okay. totally understand that sentence. Like totally understand that sentence. Yeah, I just I I think I've just really enjoyed the sport as a whole so much. Even though I have my fandoms, like when oh, yeah. when Max leaves, like yeah, even he's my favorite driver on the grid right now. Like I'm gonna be. A little bummed out, but just right now, find a new one. But I mean, I've got I've got my side my side fans <laughs> side fandoms. Hell uh, yeah, dude! Uh, yeah, when my main fandom isn't <laughs> satisfying me, you know, I I go over to my little side fandoms over here. They know what I really need. Do not equate any of this to my personal relationships. <laughs> <laughs> just putting that disclaimer in there yeah. um, but no i mean like there when max leaves like i still will enjoy formula one and will find other people to like root for and and be a fan of and everything i'm not like gonna just be like well he quit i'm done with f1 no more for me like i don't know I like I've loved going back and watching old races with people who have been retired and gone like from yeah. F one for years and years. Like you think I'm not still gonna enjoy like guys who I had never heard of like four years ago. I'm going and watching the race in 1974. I'm like, sure. oh yep, like this is fun. And those guys are like in nursing homes right now. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I I still like the sport. So uh, yeah, I would be. Not someone who would uh, would just dip out if Lewis leaves, but uh, or Max or or any other driver. Um, That'd be so funny. Like a couple years down the line, like your visual medium every week is just like an old Max era win. Like you don't even believe in really anything else. You're just like, yeah, it only really existed when Max was racing. That's, that's the only thing you go back and watch is like his years. So my, my visual medium this week, it's, um, well, I've used it two other times, but it's, it's, uh, Max at the, the steering Grand Prix in 2022. Like it's just reusing the same race over and over. Cause you're just like, so my thorn this week is I got to Max's last win. Um, and so I'm going to just have to go back and start at the top. (laughs) And that's your rose the next week. Hey, everybody, my rose for this week. Starting the max years over again. Holy shit, that would be so funny. Brazil 2016 was just, or I forget what exact race is first way. It was something like that. Hilarious, but epically sad at the same time. Oh, it would be brutal. Um, (laughs) But looking into current times, Current Australian Grand Prix, um, we will be coming in pretty hot. I think it's exciting to see, uh, speaking of someone you mentioned earlier, Oscar Piastri. 
I really just want to see how he does and really hope he has a lot of success. Um, being an Australian driver, it's his first home race uh, in his F1 career and in his professional uh, driving career because F2 and F3 as far uh, and no F2, but not sure about F3, uh, has never raced at Albert Park before. This is the first year that they're going and taking the F2 uh, drive over to Australia. So he did not have the opportunity on his way up to drive the circuit and kind of uh, get used to it. So I think it's interesting because it is his home race, but it is probably not a super familiar circuit to him in terms of actual driving experience as opposed to uh, some of that sim experience and, and all that he's gotten, I'm sure, over the, the past couple of years. Yeah, I imagine that's got to be a pretty exciting feeling coming into like what would be your first home race. Um, I think Albert Park is like actually quite an exciting track. I love mm. the like surrounding areas. Um, it is just a beautiful place to be. So I can't imagine what that would what that must be like as a driver's home race uh, as it would have been for Daniel Ricardo. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's gotta be pretty exciting and we'll see what he's able to accomplish. Um, obviously not working with the best tools here, but you know, just hope that the fans make it a a good weekend for him kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I think he, he deserves that for sure. Um, after kind of his, his long strive to get to this level, to get that recognition, um, see some home fans. I think that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, but looking at kind of this race compared to last year. So just, uh, to recap last year, uh, Charles Leclerc ended up winning that race. Um, max DNF due to some reliability issues. So a tough Red Bull day. Checo was about 20 seconds back off Leclerc's pace. So not, uh, not even very competitive in terms of that race pace, but, Something that I, I definitely want to keep an eye out for. I don't remember if it was um, like weather related or whatnot, but I remember last year at turns three and four uh, that drivers were locking up a lot, were kind of going um, into the grassy runoff areas. We had mm-hmm. um, a couple of guys just completely spin out, end up, uh, Carlos Sainz goes off track, ends up in the gravel mm-hmm. out of the race. Sebastian Vettel, I think, had a uh, a moment on one of the curbs later in the track. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of instances of, um, I don't know if it was gusts of wind or just like people misjudging the braking zones and going straight on through the grass that ended up causing a, a number of issues. So I'm curious to see because I, I feel like I remember a couple of changes being put into the track last year. Yep, and so right. I, I thought that was most likely the cause of those but Mm -hmm. didn't didn't quite recall yeah if i understand correctly it was 2022 that was the first year for the um yeah so the last time before 2022 was 2019 the track would have had layout changes since then it was like turns nine and ten um, were quote unquote smooth. The fourth DRS zone was removed, um, which I think was 
uh, a decision that was made like pretty pretty short notice in 2022. But yes, the track had changed. And going back and watching, going back and watching 2022, it based on the radio messages from a lot of the drivers, it didn't seem like anything crazy was going on. It was like a bright, beautiful, sunny day. Um, so it really seemed like a bunch of drivers just kind of pushing a bit too hard but like looking looking for the limit obviously um and just a couple of those turns ending up being a bit too um just a bit too fast i don't remember specifically like conditions i i I know it was it was nice out but i didn't remember any wind or anything i was like that's it was just bizarre because it was so common and it reminded me of i might might have been Imola where um Max and Signs I think both spun off at one of the turns because they oh, were okay. uh because of like gusts of wind that were going into the braking zone and whatnot. Yeah, so, okay, gotcha. Um I didn't remember if it was similar, but no, yeah, it sounds like that's probably it with just the track changes. People weren't quite used to it. Um and all. And uh my only other note kind of leading into the race is Red Bull is looking to bring in a uh, small upgrade this weekend to the car, um, particularly with the uh, floor, I believe. Um, and what I learned are called, like, I think they're Venturi, Venturi tunnels or something like that, that okay. are the underneath um, kind of ground force, like, what causes the ground force from the floors and everything. So it's like a, a principle. It's not a part. Yeah. It's the, the design of the floors have these like, um, cutouts of that on them. Okay. That, like so I guess design concept. Exactly. And it, okay. it creates that like downforce effect. Cause right. Whoa. Like with the new regulations, the downforce doesn't come from like the wings or, uh, anything like that is as much at least anymore. It's all with right. the, the floor. So um, they yeah, are bringing in some like minor floor updates for the weekend. And so we'll see if that uh, kind of pushes them forward. It sounds like they're still targeting Baku for their uh, big upgrade package for the beginning of the season. But um, yeah, just a small uh, note about an upgrade coming into the week. Well, I'm sure that's going to, you know, be not the thing that the other teams want to hear, being that Rebels uh pretty far away already. Um, but it seems like uh, we'll be into kind of upgrade season here very shortly. So some other teams making improvements. Um, so we'll see what the what the next couple races have to bring. Yeah, but uh, excited. There's going to be uh lovely 1 a.m eastern time uh race weekend this weekend so looking forward to staying up late and uh making a little night of it so yeah i don't um for anybody that's been watching no race companion for Mm -hmm. australia we weren't able to make the scheduling work um but we will have more race companions uh coming this season just not here for australia the 1 a.m is a little tough um but yeah still still looking forward still looking forward to a good race here yeah absolutely um but to move along into the league of legends uh arena onto the rift uh 
do you want to start with LCS a little bit? Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about the North American playoffs. A um, couple interesting storylines going on there. Tell us, uh, tell us what's been happening. Yeah, so just looking at the initial um, start to the first rounds of the playoffs, we had um, Cloud9 and CLG face off, and then we had FlyQuest and 100 Thieves face off in the first round. Cloud9 uh, won in a 3-1 to CLG, uh, and then FlyQuest won 3-0 over 100 Thieves. So that starts the 100 Thieves woes. Uh, drop, they drop down to the loser's bracket along with CLG, um, both of which end up losing in their uh, loser's bracket round. Golden Guardians beating 100, uh, 100 Thieves 3-2, and then EG 3-0-ing CLG to move along in that uh, loser's bracket stage. So... Overall, FlyQuest Cloud9, the two top teams from the regular season, I think we all kind of had expectations of them winning their series. Nothing shocking there. Um, but what I know you and I both wanted to get into a little bit, what was shocking was just 100 Thieves' performance, uh, and especially in their, their drafting and pick ban, um, both in the FlyQuest series as well as the Golden Guardian series. Yeah, and to be fair, like not having a lot of data, just kind of looking at the pick and ban, looking at like the general meta worldwide, what's been being played. Um, I think looking at these series is a little bit of like a wake up call where I don't think I was ever really considering Bjergsen. Um, truthfully, it seems like I've had maybe some rose colored glasses on where like you look you just have to look at the drafts in these games. It was a, it was a, like you said, a three Oh, by the way, in the, in the first series against FlyQuest, And they had Bjergsen on zillion once Oriana once and Ari one time, the zillion pick we were talking about it. It just feels so like retirement era where you never learn the new champions. Your your lane coach isn't giving you the current like picks that have are are being traded um, in LPL and LCK. Where I don't know, maybe that's like a little bit of naivety from me in like assuming that they should be just like kind of uh, taking what they're playing. But being that. Being that Zillion hasn't really like worked out for him that well, like yeah, we kind of know him for it, but it's not necessarily like the greatest pick. It just comes off as like really, uh, just kind of frustrating thinking of him as one of the better players that North America has had, and he ends up just like kind of stagnating late in his career, playing the same champions that he was playing you know, four or five years ago, like when he was really in his prime or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I'm really not surprised that a uh, group of younger players and then it with impact uh, had no trouble, you know, taking, taking these guys down in a best of because the pick band focus, it just feels like the mid lane is a crutch. If, with those champion pick 
Yeah, it it a hundred percent is. It's like you're not relying on yourself to win your lane, to outscale the other opponent, to make the better decisions. You're relying on being a safety net for your team. That granted, like he does a great job of using the ultimate at the right time and everything because he's got a lot of practice on it. But like right. you're not winning lane from that. You're not doing like. You're not utilizing, like, the talent that I expect of you to, like, just beat your lane opponent, put pressure on the map. You're using, like, the pick is a crutch, like, and Mm -hmm. a crutch for him and a crutch for the team. And, I mean, just to, to, like, put it into perspective, this man in three out of eight games played Zillion in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. losing... Uh, I guess six of those games, uh, six games and losing, I think, let me see, I'll double check, but no. Okay. So he, he did win one game on the, uh, zillion, but I mean, it's just not, it was played zero times in the LCK and the LPL in the spring mm-hmm. like season. And in the LPL, with the ridiculous number of games they play, LCK, best of series as well, lots of games, not a single time Zillion was played in either region. Why is it being picked three of eight times as your mid laner? You have so many other champions you can play. You can play Yone, you can play Ari, you can play Akali, you can play Lissandra, you can play... Like, there are plenty of other picks that were available mm-hmm. pick galio for god's mm-hmm. sake if you want to like be impactful and be sub- a supportive mid laner mm-hmm. but like that was i don't get it at all i'm like you were you were flabbergasted and the more and more i look at it i'm just like <laughs> just getting right there with you yeah, it's it's just kind of confusing and a glaring point where it's like this is and even in other roles they're playing like what you would consider like to be meta champions and like have good matchups and whatever. And it's just here you're just looking at ancient history when you look at the mid lane. It's like, damn, what is going on here? Um, so I think from that perspective, a little frustrating and and then again that even goes to like illustrating our whole point here is like dude how is just na as a region going to compete if our quote unquote top players are playing their like their high school b squad like best champ great dude cool Damn. yeah I- I remember when I was in gym class too, man. You know, yeah. it, it just has that kind of vibe to it. Well, yeah. And like with uh, with double lift on the other end of the spectrum, in my opinion, at least in the way he talks about it, like uh, they some teams have tried to ban him out over the past couple of weeks. And he basically was like, why would you try and ban me out? I've been around through every era of bot lane in league of legends. Like I can play everything that fits in that. Like, don't mm-hmm. wait. Like, why are you wasting your bands on me? You're just handicapping yourself. Um, mm-hmm. which is like very reasonable. Um, but then you have Bjergsen where it's just like, well, if in doubt, 
break the glass, pull out the Zillion. Um, but surprise, they were in doubt game one, match one. Yeah. So is just, when they had to break the glass and pull the fire alarm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's just bad. Um, and, and to be honest, like I uh, – Based on that, I'm I'm not disappointed at all that they got knocked out this early in the playoffs. I would not want to be seeing Zillion at MSI coming from North America and all the other countries being like, what's up with this guy? (laughs) Like, what's up with this dude? Uh, So, yeah, 100 Thieves gets knocked out. We have Golden Guardians then coming up versus um, Evil Geniuses, and then we will have... Uh, Cloud9 and FlyQuest playing this coming week. So uh, two two hopefully good matchups. Golden Guardians has um, kind of had a, a, a much more successful season than I think they necessarily expected, but they've uh, they've put together a really nice run um, and to, to make it through that first round of the playoffs. Um, I think they'll be in a tough spot against EG, but um, looking forward to both of those matchups. I think they both should be pretty uh, pretty tight. Yeah, although, like, thinking about the 3-0 that EG gave to CLG, like, I don't know, man. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. That is playing, like, the meta champions. They've got someday, like, incorporating the Malphite. They have inspired pretty much just playing the engage Wukong like that's mm-hmm. super strong. They've got Vulcan on Rakan Thresh. Was he playing game two? They have their, they got access to the Varus Ash. Like these are very, very mm-hmm. modern strategies inspired back on the Lee Sin Jojo playing Ari game two. Like these look like these look like they would be LPL drafts or LCK drafts. Like you can't look at one of these hundred thieves drafts and, and pretend to be like, oh, yeah, fucking KT would pick that. No, but looking at Golden Guardians on the other side, they are playing pretty meta champions. They're playing sure. the Wukong, the Lushinami. Um, they're playing the Scion. The Sci- like, there, there are a lot of like pretty standard meta champions that they're, oh, yeah, um, of that they're picking. And so I think for, for them... I I don't think they'll get steamrolled by EG. I do expect EG to win the series, but sure. But yeah, what do you think? I, like three one or like three zero with a strong showing. I'm gonna give it a three one. Um, okay. I don't think EG is gonna just sweep them through. Um, there's always a possibility because I think they're sure. the better team, but I I do think that uh, Golden Golden Guardians could snatch one there. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on this. We'll definitely get a little more into the LCS series as we get to the, uh, losers bracket finals and then the grand finals. So mm-hmm. we'll probably not get too deep other than just updating on, uh, what's going on until that point, uh, in a couple weeks. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but looking ahead, we do have um, we can start with some just uh, LPL kind of predictions for our for our first round one series. Um, looks like match one round one is Thunder Talk Gaming versus RNG, and then uh, second match is Top Esports versus World Elite. Now you've been the LPL expert here for the tall and short of it. What what are you thinking here for these for these two matchups? 
So going looking at Thunder Talk and RNG in that first game, um, or that first series, I I think that Thunder Talk is going to take that in a, a tight three two. Um, I think they have started to perform really well and like kind of punch up to some of the better teams throughout the the later half of the spring split here. Um, uh, especially UCAL has performed really well. Juan Fang has been, uh, great. We've had some moments where I think we'll, uh, probably see RNG take advantage of the, the jungle matchup in a couple of those games with way versus Bashan. Um, so I think that that is kind of going to be the key for the matchup as a whole. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I've been impressed with Thunder Talk here coming down the stretch. So I'm going to say that uh, that RNG with some returning talent and all is going to, to go down in a 3-2 there. Um, sure. Yeah. Any, what's uh, interesting, yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, what's interesting about that matchup, I think, like what you said, highlighting the jungle matchup, um way versus they have Beishuan and Zhao Han Gren. I don't know how much um Zhao Huan has played most of the games most of the games that I've seen were Beishuan. Mm-hmm. Um so just just that in and of itself, I think um RNG does have a stronger um stronger jungle matchup in that sense. Now what do you think about Breathe in the top lane? Because he's been he's been quite strong, quite impressive uh, do you think he like tilts the matchup either way? I think um, he does. I think as a whole, it's gonna it's just a lot on the top side of the map. I think mm-hmm. um, if Hoya is able to just kind of maintain, he doesn't have to necessarily win lane. They're primarily looking, I think, to the bot lane uh, to try and win this matchup um, a little bit more so than having to force it through the top lane. Um, but I think that RNG's top lane definitely is stronger. So along with that jungle matchup, that, that top lane kind of plays into that a little bit as well with that mm-hmm. 2v2. Big time, yeah. So, uh, and then looking at the other matchup of top esports versus Team WE, um, to be honest, I, I kind of expect this to be not a very close series. They're very close in terms of standings, nine and seven for top esports. Team WE is eight and eight. Um, however, I just feel like, based on experience uh, and just individual talent, really as a whole, I think that top esports is a bit of a leg up in most of the roles. Um, Iwandi has played very well in the support role, uh, but of course, Top Esports has a great bot lane duo with Jackie Love and Mark. Rookie's a phenomenal mid laner. Tian, like these are all players that we've seen have really quality performances and solid success. Um, so I just have I have trouble imagining WE coming out anywhere on top of uh of top esports in that series yeah i think that's a i think that's a pretty fair breakdown that'd be my sense of it as well um yeah just like going lane for lane you just look top esports is just kind of it feels like it's stacked a little bit even though like you said they're they're um the record is similar yeah so just uh, a few games off overall in terms of 
wins and losses. Um, but but yeah, I think Top Esports is definitely uh, the better team in that matchup. Um, so we'll have to, to wait and see, but I think after uh, this coming week, we'll have some good good conversations to have. Uh, winner of the Thunder Talk RNG series will go on to play Billy Billy Gaming in the second round. Um, winner of Top Esports and Team WE will go and play OMG in that uh, second round. So we've got a couple of uh, good matchups. I don't uh, I'm not a hundred percent if we will see two matchups or just one, uh, or two rounds or one before the next episode. I'd have to double check, but, um, but yeah, I'm looking on the side of caution. I imagine we'll have more matchups than less to worry about. Yeah. So, uh, round one, two, and three will actually all be done before next episode. Yep. So we'll have uh, quite a few games to end series to get through. Um, And maybe just hit the shapes rather than the details on that one. Yeah, but looking forward to to getting to watch some LPL playoffs. Um, Similarly, I was excited to get to watch a little bit of the LCK. I didn't get to watch quite as much, but... um, or as I would have wanted to, but I uh, I saw a tweet just to lead into this LCK and everything, but... um, the the tweet basically broke down the last eight LCK finals, uh, the mid laners on both sides. So it was Faker versus Chovy, Faker versus Chovy, Faker versus BDD, Showmaker versus Chovy, uh, Chovy, Showmaker versus BDD, Showmaker versus Faker, Faker versus Chovy, and then Faker versus Chovy. So only those four mid laners, Faker, Chovy, BDD, and Showmaker, uh, yeah, and show uh, showmaker have been in the LCK finals for the past eight finals. <laughs> Damn, bro, you just cast years. your polymerization card. You were like showmaker and faker fuse. I was into like show faker. I was saying the same names so many times that yep. it just like got yep, me yep, all yep. mixed up. But I was like. There's only been four different mid laners the past four years in ter- eight finals. Like that's pretty pretty wild. Well, it speaks to the dominance of those, like of the top of the table of LCK. Is those are like the gatekeepers of the like quarters and the semis, right? Because like you would have to beat them to get through and nobody's beating them so it's just these four mid laners that are just like just going around and obviously they have four other teammates with them but when you just look at it from the mid lane matchup that actually is fascinating that you've seen the same ones back and forth yeah and so the the wild thing is after the the first round where we had kt um with bdd beat out live sandbox and uh D plus Kia lose to Hanwha Life Esports. Um, after just that round, there is only one mid laner that is uh, not in that group of four. We saw D plus Kia lose Showmaker uh, to of the four, and Hanwha mm-hmm. Life Esports keeping Zika. So he is Zika is the the last hope for it to not be the same. Uh, same deal once again where one of the or where two of those four mid laners are facing off. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So does it have does it have the record of Chovy versus Faker there? What you're looking at? No, it's uh just a, a single tweet, but I'm sure Fair I could enough. find it. Yeah, I would love to know what that I would love to know what that difference is. That to me feels like a um that to me feels like a pretty like interesting matchup that very um monolithic type figures going at it that's that's pretty cool yeah so at least um as of april 8th 2022 which may have been the last time but faker had an all-time best of five record of six and oh versus chovy whoa in in best of fives so whoa um, yeah damn those are pretty pretty wild stats yeah and so that was as of april last year so it most likely is where things are at that's probably right uh the most recent update with it but that's crazy but yeah but yeah to uh to focus on the series at hand like you were saying um we have kt rolster versus live sandbox and that was a well it went one less game than we predicted we predicted the correct winner though kt rolster all the way um and to be fair it was an interesting um it was an interesting series. The one thing that I wanted to talk about was the Lehens Blitzcrank that we talked about mm. last week. Cause now we're seeing it like now we're seeing it everywhere. That's like it's not oh, yeah. that like surprising right now, which is like crazy. Um so just seeing some interesting things from KT Rolster. The casters were pretty high on the like Malphite Kesante matchup. You have mm-hmm. some interesting stuff going on there in game one. Um, what I thought was interesting for Live Sandbox was the bounce back in game two. I thought that was strong uh, for them to kind of like keep life in the series, bouncing back immediately, getting a dub. I, I thought was huge. I think Bertle and Willer played great together in game two, utilizing the top side of the map. And Closer had had some pretty good moves in the game as well. Um, so great bounce back from Live Sandbox. And then it all just kind of goes awry. KT kind of, all right, they got their trainers off. They got warmed up. They've had their Wheaties. Um, and now it was just off to the races. I think BDD really started started getting warmed up. The And they were just coming with the, with the crazy picks. Like you have Keen on the Urgot. And this is a game that you could use to highlight a team picking an off meta champ and then not thinking about it ever again. And then just saying like, yeah, yeah, you go, you know, Mm -hmm. interestingly, what KT Rosser does in this matchup, they pick Mm -hmm. a strong matchup for Keen into Bertles Kaysante strong goes as planned. Urgot has the push, the general advantage, but what does Cuz do? Cuz says, "All right, you've got a good a good matchup there." So he goes, plays through bottom side, gets them going, gets them rolling, and then goes back and just nailing the coffin. One good gank. Both Keen and Cuz team up on Bertle, set him even further back. That that gold lead just balloons from the top side. You see the CS. You see the CS lead explode 
and all of a sudden this ergot like takes over the game um so very very interesting pick and ban into the early game how they were gonna play it and then kind of sealing the deal solidifying that advantage that they had all the while bdd is just stacking his q in the mid lane and life is good um so i thought a beautiful game three from kt truly yeah i and i completely agree with you on especially like just ignoring bdd and just letting him do his thing like Mm -hmm. he's in a matchup versus cassidy he just Mm -hmm. gets to farm up that damage early cassidy's not going to be putting any pressure on him and like you can only put cassidy so far behind like you can yeah that could they have targeted him before level six and got a bunch of Vigar cages and Sejuani slams and everything else in there and just fucked him up a bit. Yeah, totally. Was that going to put them in a position to win the game when Cassadin is just going to continue to scale? Your other lanes are not getting leads. And then Cassadin all of a sudden can just teleport through the, 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 um, BDD, Vigar cage like as soon as Cassidy gets that ult there's no shot of Vigar locking him down at right. that point so they did a really smart thing and said like we're not going to put him far behind but we can put everyone else far behind and just go from there I mean mm-hmm. closer ends up one and oh more CS than BDD but loses the game in a pretty pretty um decisive fashion because of that like you said targeting the other the other lanes there yeah so like decent decent game uh there for for kt and then in game four live sandbox again bounces back really well they have a shot there they build a solid lead throughout the whole early to mid game goes killless forever right just so slow and methodical playing very calculated unfortunately though and this is the ticking time bomb for that type of trading early game is yeah yeah but red side is on three drakes now right Mm -hmm. so ultimately live sandbox you have to fight that soul well you don't it is in your best interest to try and deny that that soul from the enemy team they go to fight kt gets the gets the great setup and it's just fucking over that one team fight what was it like a four for one or like a five for one or whatever it was like just brutal they just spread out all throughout the map they go hit baron they go hit your jungle they go hit the top lane all the lanes are now shoved in pressure is now against live sandbox and it was just it was just too much a couple minutes later it was gg for kt rolster but beautiful early to mid game play from live sandbox they played their comp really well up until that point it was just the giving away the drakes they said nah nah we'll fight later nah nah we'll fight for it later they didn't have the firepower yeah and i mean uh i i think that definitely sets them up for hopefully some more progress in the next split but um 
but yeah, I mean, some some good moments. I think we've seen that. There's a number of teams that we're that we look at. And we're like, yeah, they have these like bright shining moments, and then uh, they just don't quite have it to get over that that little hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's definitely a, a solid split from Live Sandbox, and I think uh, good learning learning experience for their roster. Um, but yeah, just didn't didn't quite have it. And KT Rolster, to their credit, played played very well as well. So um, nice nice series from them. Um, but then on the other matchup, we had D plus Kia Hanwha Life um, coming in. So not quite as a, as tight of a, a matchup there, I would say. Dude, and honestly, like I'm not even sure how much time you want to spend on this series. To we be don't fair, have to get super into it. Dude, D plus, like they honestly just seemed like checked out. They, it didn't feel like they were there. It seemed like they were stale. Like they were just, they were just kind of like playing the roles. Um, I did not, I did not get a sense that D plus was there to win. Um, they, they got like a good pick band kind of gotcha with the Sona pick after the Draven, um, where they're like, yeah, yeah, we can poke you all day. Um, so like game two went well for Damwon or D plus, but other than that, honestly, like I think Hanwha just looked way better, just way better. And it was really in the team fighting that they won. Like there were, there were these small moments where D plus like had advantages. They had the right positioning. And then just how just like out team fights them. They're just like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. And then they, wow, they slap them away. It was yeah. disgusting how well HLE was team fighting compared to D plus. Yeah. And I think uh, like Zika, I mean, I was talking about him, but he has been a huge component of their success. Um, especially on these assassins. I know previously we had seen him play the Akali a little bit. We've seen him on the Silas a bit, Mm -hmm. Um, but now on the Yone in one in game uh, three on the uh, Yasuo game four. Um, But he's also picking these ranged champions, the Tristana, the, the Talia and, and utilizing those kind of more, um, mage type or or ranged mid laners successfully as well Mm -hmm. he's um he's definitely a highlight for hanwa life and um i know looking into the their next matchup they they didn't quite come out versus gen g but um but they're still hanging on there in the uh the losers bracket for the lck at the moment yeah, they can keep their hopes alive uh, if they if they can manage to win their next series. First round was knockout, but Hawa bought an extra life in the tournament um, just to cap off that series. I thought it was funny. We were getting the like enemy team Yasuo jokes like on the cast and in chat and stuff when Zek oh, yeah. is just like styling on them, where it's just like that's only the Yasuo that you like. He's never on your team, kind of thing. Yep. Um, so I thought that was just fucking gold. Uh, but yeah, overall, much less interesting series to be fair. But uh, yeah, looking forward for Hanwha Life to uh, to continue continue pushing forward. And um, well, wait, no, I misspoke. D plus D plus is out along with um, uh, Live Sandbox. No, you said that's what you said. You oh, said the, okay. Yeah, gotcha. you said first round was knockout. Now yep. we've got. Hanwha Life and uh, and KT have their their second opportunities. 
That's right. And I was referencing Hanwa's second opportunity right. because they lost. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. We got it. Here we are. Um, but yeah, a couple good series from the LCK. We've got the uh, T1 and then Genji round two series to go. So a lot of good stuff still to come for LCK. Um, any final thoughts there? No, I think that uh, that rounds it out a little bit. We'll we'll get more into the uh, the Genji Hanwha Life and KT Rolster T1 series uh, a bit next week, just in in the kind of mind of of time and all. So, mm. but um, I had some I had some magic that I wanted to throw at you, but I think it may be better for next week. I may be able to give just like uh. Well, here, here, let me just tell you. So, me and John, I told you we were we were uh, playing some Pioneer practice games. So, we played some more over the weekend, got a couple more games in, and we feel like we have a pretty good understanding of just, like, that matchup. So, uh-huh. what we're going to do, we're going to print out, like, four different Pioneer decks that are, like, in the meta being played, we're just going to just one for one, the whole deck list, just print them out, sleeve them up so we can just play them against each other. Like learn what their strengths are, learn what their weaknesses are. Like what are they siding in? What are they taking out? Just these kind of things just to learn how they play. Um, so not just playing our decks, but playing other decks that are going to be in the meta um, to try and learn about them. We have the April calendar for the local game store. So a couple nice. of pioneer dates throughout the throughout the month very much looking forward to that and at the end of the month there's a 1k tournament um that i'm looking looking to enter so hopefully these these little events will help me get prepared for that and that'll be like my first like big mtg event that i'll be attending um so i'm just like over the moon very excited i'm hyped for you man that's awesome so those are just some notes here so I guess what I'll plan to do is next week bring some kind of like, what did we learn from the playtesting scenario? Because it sounds like me and John are going to look to get together this weekend and do some playtesting. Um, so just really excited for that. Oh, that's that's uh, really, really cool. I think especially with um, just having the opportunity to like try some of these other things out. I think that's a great way to do it. Like in... A lot of things like you have to have someone who just like is on the others like if you're playing 1v1 basketball like the person has to be a decent basketball player for you to figure out like improve and whatnot with this you guys both know how to play the game you just yeah download the uh the cards to do some matchups you can see how your decks handle certain matchups so you can exactly like do some prep for oh i'm up against this guy that has this oh well i need to maybe have these in my hand for the first round and have these exactly. on my sideboard and X, Y, Z. So, um, he gets it people. Yeah. So very, uh, very cool. I'm excited to hear, especially, uh, as we get down to the tournament, that's going to be awesome. Um, to see how that goes. Yeah. And I'll look to, I'll look to give you what updates I can. Um, any, any interesting things that we learn over the course of each of each of the weekends, um but yeah just looking forward to that now it has been a pretty good episode here let's finish strong aaron why don't you give us our flavor of the week here sounds good so uh for my food i'm just it's i'm gonna encompass just my my 
trip with Colleen to Denver. Sure. Um, we, the first night, um, after the proposal, we went out and got a nice sushi dinner. Um, and so they, they also asked us, they're like, Oh, any, um, special occasion you all are out. And so Colleen was like, Oh, well, we just got engaged. Next thing we know, they're coming out with a Chinese sparkler and every, or I guess Japanese sushi, uh, but a sparkler in a thing, um, champagne and all, which was just cool. I, it was weird. I don't like the attention being on me, but I was just like, I don't know any of these people and there's no one I know here. So like, whatever. Um, they also ended up, uh, we got tacos at a really solid there was a lot of really good mexican uh in the denver area which i didn't expect but i was uh definitely enjoyed um but they had the uh had told them that it was my birthday so i'm sitting there eating my like tacos and all and the the crew comes out singing uh happy birthday to me and everything in their restaurant way every restaurant has their own different version so of course um so that was, uh, but yeah, great tacos, great Mexican food, great breweries, good sushi. I was, uh, yeah, eating well this past week. Um, for my music though, uh, it's not a specific music, but while we were out there, I got to see the Red Rocks Amphitheater where Colleen's seen a couple of different EDM shows and all. Yep. Um, very cool to just like see. It's a nut, it's like a pretty wild like sight in general you're kind of going through these just normal mountains and out of nowhere you just see these bizarre giant red cliffs and rocks like coming out of the the side of the mountain and all so um definitely a a cool spot to check out i'd love to see a show there but uh for now just got to to see what it looks like um but then my visual medium for this week which colleen and i have still to finish because it's quite a long movie we're watching Babylon with Margot Robbie. Um, it's a movie about, and who's the other guy in it? Um, there's someone else famous in it uh, as the male lead, but it's a movie about like the film industry back in the early 1900s, how it went from like just picture film or like just no sound films and all mm-hmm. how people could be kind of just um found like and discovered out of nowhere and all because Mm -hmm. there's no like it was just very random um all the film sets being out in the desert together because they wanted to have natural light for shooting and everything so they're just all these like small like cube kind of like just single room size like film sets that they're having all these things actors and extras and all the stuff just out in the desert filming like 20 different movies all at the same time because there's no sound the progression of that and so just as a whole it's like entertaining from the character perspectives they're all very like eccentric kind of characters Mm -hmm. um but then just the looking at like oh this is kind of uh how they did this like i I don't know how 100 percent accurate it is to like how those things were made but i imagine um, there's a, a decent bit that's pretty pretty spot on there, but it was cool to uh to kind of watch and um see that first part we stopped it because the flight ended, but we'll we'll pick it back up. Hell yeah! 
Well, we look to look to hear about the final report there from you. Yeah, uh, but that is my flavor of the week. I'll let you uh, hit yours and then take us out of here. Just give you mine real quick. My food here for the week is a great snack. I talk about it all the time. I fucking love beef jerky, and it's it's almost like I've never had it before every time I get a bag because it's not like we don't have it every week kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's just like, man, that's good. Man, right. is that good. Um, fucking meteor, guilty as charged. Um, my music here for the week not an album but in the same vein as what i was talking about recently so i didn't know lupe fiasco taught a class at mit about rap theory and practice interesting he there was a there was an intro that i found on youtube where it was like an hour and 15 where it was like basically like an intro to what the class would be and then he does like a little q a at the end so you basically just get an hour and 15 of lupe just being fucking intelligent and like making callbacks to his own music that like are just going way over the room's head but i'm sitting here in my room like i got you bro i I know that I, I, I see you. Right. Nice. Um, so it, it was just a beautiful little, beautiful little hour and 15 with, uh, with Lupe fiasco. And then my visual medium here for the week, we were watching the classic, the Tom Hardy four day force. Have you ever seen Locke? No, it's a good flick. I'm okay. not going to say any more. It's a, it's a, it's like a it's a it's a big zoom in it's a big zoom in on just a very small period of one guy's life but it's a very important moment um and it's just like very very well done instead of describing the movie i'll describe the setup so me and sarah were having a conversation about like modern actors kind of what tickles our fancy we got onto the topic of like Chris Pine and some of like the choices that he's made. And we were thinking like, Oh, like, do you think he could do like a dramatic role? Like how how do you think he would fit into like a more serious thing? And we, we started comparing and I said, there's no way I could picture Chris Pine in a, and my mind went to lock. And then, so that was like a, yeah, like Tom Hardy can do this. So watch lock with that in mind of like, like uh, it's a serious pursuit and i'm not sure many actors could like sell this product okay that's that's kind of the angle so it's a great watch great little story i'm i'm a big like big fan um so that was my visual medium here for the week and my flavor of the week for the end of the show very cool um well i will definitely have to check out lock it'll be added to the list um but as always, ladies and gents, that brings us to the end of this week's episode after the Flavor of the Week. Um, as always, we really appreciate everyone taking the time to spend with us, listen, hear about uh, exciting things in life, exciting things in esports, exciting things in racing. Um, but yeah, we, we appreciate it. Check us out on Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what your Flavor of the Week is. Um, but that's all I got. 
just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for spending your time with us. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends new episodes every Thursday. Um, but yeah, other than that, we just look forward to bringing you the show here every week. So thank you for joining us. That is another episode of the tall and short of it. Peace out, everyone. See ya.